Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to see you here in the house of the Lord through technology. We thank the Lord for those that are in the studio audience. We salute them. We salute uh, each and every one of you. Of course, to our partners in uh, Africa, in Kenya, we thank the Lord for each of you, Pastor Majero and Bishop Ogoa. We salute you and the work that's being done there. Uh, we are continuing to stand with you and to support you as best we can. Uh, we have another um, program that has been extremely um, valuable in the spreading of the love of Christ across the world, something for which uh, all of you that are watching today can invest in and be a part of. It is a dynamic work of God to spread forth his love and to let people across the world who are much less fortunate than we are not only feel the love of God, but understand that they are not as isolated or as alone as it sometimes feels. So, you know, it's, as we say, uh, that time of year again when we participate um, in the Billy Graham's Ministries Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child, which is the packing of shoeboxes for children all around the world, sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you would like to participate in this ministry, you can send a donation to uh, our cash app or to our PayPal account, and 100% of your proceeds will go to support this uh, dynamic program. So my question is to you today, will you help us share the love of God into the lives of children? There are so many testimonies. You can go to the Samaritan Purse website and you can see the impact that this program has had. And we've been a part of this uh, program for uh, many, many years. And, and we just thank God for uh, introducing us to it and giving us the um, ability to share his love across the world. So I encourage you, please uh, be a part of this. Again, 100% of your proceeds go to it. Um, we pack shoe boxes filled with uh, non-perishable items, uh, toys, um, clothing items, whatever we can get in there to meet a need. We also uh, try to put in letters or pictures or uh, encouragement or scripture uh, to uh, broaden uh, the impact and the reach of the gospel across the world. And again, if you go to the website, you'll see the impact that this has had in the lives of children who are adults now and have shared the testimony of how this has impacted their life. This one little thing. Uh, it's $10 to ship each box. And uh, so we encourage you, if you don't want to uh, donate to the box, help us by donating uh, towards the postage to ship these boxes, $10 a box. Um, it is, you know, a goal of ours to send as many boxes as we possibly can, uh, but we need your help. So I'm, in, I'm asking you and I'm encouraging you to invest in this worthwhile program uh, to be a blessing across the world. Amen. Again, we just thank the Lord for you that have tuned in and um, are a part of what we're trying to accomplish here for the cause of Christ. We 
uh, thank the Lord for each and every one of you. Uh, we're excited because uh, episode six of Coffee with the Bishop uh, will be hitting the airwaves tomorrow. Post-production has been completed, and we're excited that it's going to be released at 6 p.m. Uh, this coming Monday, tomorrow, the 10th of October. And, and it's a dynamic, comprehensive conversation about not only the state of the church, but the transition of what we would refer to as the generals of the faith, the elder in ministerial leadership as they're transitioning out and the new breed, the younger pastors and preachers and teachers that are coming on the scene now and having to take that role as leader of the faith, uh, chief um, uh, apologists for the cause of Christ. And we're asking that you would tune into that to watch it, to support it. Uh, it. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be on our YouTube channel. And we encourage you when you click on the link to watch it, uh, that you uh, hit that like button, that you subscribe to our channel. It doesn't cost you anything. We're not going to try to sell you anything. We just want to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in all these different varying ways. And at the same time, the more viewers we have, the greater the reach is and the more opportunity is presented to us to share uh, the message of Jesus Christ to the world. So uh, be looking for that 6 p.m. tomorrow. And again, don't forget, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel, GMFC Studios. We thank the Lord uh, for that. And for each of you, again, we celebrate the Lord and we celebrate the cause of Christ and we're excited about what God is doing and we're excited about uh, the word that God has given me to share with you today. I'll be coming to you from the, the topic, I am a battlefield and the battlefield is me. And it's important that we understand that we are in a state of warfare that deals with uh, the triunity of God spreading within me and the cause of the enemy, the devil, fighting against the spreading of Jesus within me. Our foundational text today will come out of the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter, starting at the 24th and ending at the 25th verse. And as everyone knows me, uh, that won't be the only verse that I'll refer to throughout this scripture because I believe that when you spread the word of God, it should be uh, filled with God's word. So it's not my opinion, it's not my conjecture, but it is what God has declared to us through his holy word. Again, Matthew 16, 24 through 25. You should be seeing it on your screen. I'll be coming out of the uh, King James Version, and it reads, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. These are powerful words of Christ to his disciples and the foundation upon which I will begin to uh, exegete the scripture. These last sermons that I've been preaching deal with the basics of how God does things, how God uh, communicates uh, the all of himself with the all of us. I'm not really touching upon some unimportant things as I've been teaching you, but upon the basic things of God's economy, the way God does things, not merely in the way of doctrine, 
but in the way of relational experience. God has done the things that he's done. He's uh, put out the plan of redemption in the manner in which he has done it that we might again be in right relationship with him. God's desire is for us to have a relational experience with him. And in the manner in which he does things, his intention is to pour himself into us. And I've been talking about this over the last few weeks. He's accomplished this, uh, and he does this in our human spirit. The triune God, the triunity of the Godhead, the one God that is manifested in three parts, has been dispensed into us in his entirety. And it's for this purpose that God created us in three parts. And we've talked about this, body, soul, and spirit. So we are a tripartite being, and as such, we are the temple of God. God's temple consists of three parts, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. The very place where God's Shekinah glory and uh, Christ dwell in the holy of holies. And I've been so excited to share with you that the holy of holies is in you. You have the dwelling place of God himself inside of you. Now, these three parts of our being correspond exactly with the three parts of the temple, the body with the outer court, the soul with the holy place, and the spirit with the holy of holies. Today, right now, God in Christ in the Holy Ghost is dwelling in our spirit. Those of us who believe the holy of holies is in us. And that's an awesome thing to think that in the place that was revered and the the place for only which one could go is now in us all. You see, God has a desire to spread within man. His desire is to spread himself in his entirety into all of us. Now I've said this several times and it really requires that I say it several more times. God's way is to dispense himself into our spirit as his place of dwelling and to take his residence, his abode in our spirit as a base for him to spread himself throughout the whole of our being. So our spirit is his home, his dwelling place, his habitation, his house, or his mansion. The very place from which he spreads himself throughout the whole of our being. It is his springboard. It is his base camp. And by spreading himself through us, he saturates every part of our being with himself. First, he thoroughly mingles himself with our spirit then uh, with our soul, and then last with our body. He comes into our spirit to start the mingling by regenerating our spirit. The process of regeneration is the mingling of God himself with our spirit. Then after regeneration, if we cooperate with him, because we never lose our own will, God offers to him us. And us to him, which gives him the opportunity to spread himself further from our spirit 
into our soul to renew all the parts of our soul. And if, uh, if you don't remember what the parts of the soul are, I, can, I encourage you, go back a few weeks and look at the sermons, listen to them again, and it'll identify for you all the parts of the soul that God wants to touch. And this is what we refer to as the transforming work of Christ. Now, through transformation, the very essence of the triunity of God is mingled with our soul, which is the representation of our very self. So when our soul is transformed into the image of the Lord, our thoughts, our desires, our decisions will also express the will of the Lord rather than the will of our flesh or our human condition. You see, God's first step is to regenerate our spirit. His second step is to transform our soul. But there's a third step, and that last step is to transfigure or change our body. And this will take place at the second coming of the Lord, which I tell you, saints of God, I feel so uh, much an urging of God to uh, share with you that the coming of the Lord is much sooner than many of us think. The coming of the Lord is much sooner than many of us think. We don't have the time like we, th like, like we think we have to get ourselves together. I encourage you, this is the moment to get your life together with Christ. Right here, right now, even at the listening of this sermon, if your life is not in alignment with God's word, you ought to open your heart to the Lord and allow him to come into you and change you in the way that he desires so that when he comes, when the trump of the Lord sounds and the dead in Christ rise, you too will arise and meet them in the air and forever be with the Lord. You see, the Lord will permeate our body and his glory will saturate the whole of our being. Now, this transfiguration is the ultimate consummation of his mingling together with our being so that we might reflect him as he intended, the expression of his glory into all creation. And it's at that time that God's way of dispensing himself into us will be fully accomplished. Now, we must remember that these three steps by which God mingles himself with us uh, with us in every way are vitally important to our existence in eternity. Matter of fact, there's an old hymn, uh, our guest on uh, Coffee with the Bishop that's going to be released, uh, Bishop Dr. Thomas Burns. He, he was, he's one of those uh, old-time preachers who loves the hymns, and it's through our relationship, uh, the introduction of these hymns to me, that I've come to appreciate the value of the hymnal. And there's an old hymn that expresses this very thing, this final consummation. I won't, I won't hurt your ears by singing it, but I will tell you what it says. Christ is the hope of glory. My very life is he. He has regenerated and saturated me. He comes to change my body by a subduing might, like to his glorious body, in glory bright he comes he comes Christ comes to glorify me my body he'll transfigure like his own it then will be he comes he comes redemption to apply 
as hope of glory he will come his saints to glorify Christ is the hope of glory he is God's mystery he shares with me God's fullness and brings God into me he comes to make me blended with God in every way that I might share his glory with him forever. Christ is the hope of glory. Redemption full is he. Redemption to my body from death to set it free. He comes to make my body a glorious one to be and swallow death forever in victory. What an amazing, amazing compilation of words that express the glory of the Lord. You see, Christ is the hope of glory. He's my history. His life is my experience, for he is one with me. He comes to bring me into his glorious liberty that one with him completely I'll forever be. When you think about that, forever will you be the fullness of God expressed into all creation. But I want you to understand that right now, there are two parties fighting for your soul. And we all know that this sad story, we can all testify to this sad story. Before the glorious God uh, came into the spirit, Satan, the enemy of God, came into us first. You see, the devil came into the human body through Adam when Adam ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge. We talked about that extensively last week. Consequently, sin, personified as a person, began to dwell within the members of our body and took rulership as an illegal Master, forcing us to do things that many of us don't even like. You see, this is the sin that's mentioned in the book of Romans, the 6th, 7th, and 8th chapters. It's none other than the evil, sinful one of the whole universe. You see, he is the enemy of God. And when he came into our body, our body was transmuted or changed in nature and thus became the flesh. Now, the flesh is the corrupted or the ruined and damaged body with the evil one dwelling within it. And this flesh threatens to dominate our soul. And as the human spirit becomes a base from which God can spread himself, so the same principle becomes true with this corrupted body. The flesh possessed by Satan becomes the base from which he can do all of his devilish work. You see, Satan takes his place in the flesh so that he might influence the soul and then through the soul, deaden the spirit. The direction of all satanic work then begins from the outermost or the outside of us and works toward the center or the inside of us. In contrast, the divine work of God always starts from the center and spreads towards the circumference 
or the external part of us. You see, oftentimes the church has spent a lot of time trying to fix the external only to find out the external cannot be fixed unless the internal has been set straight. You see, our soul cannot stand against Satan. He's much stronger than the human soul. Our condition before we were saved is that our soul was poisoned by the devil through the flesh, the influence and the operation of the flesh and its own lusts and desires. And when we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and were enlightened in our mind, in our conscience, we became contrite and broken in spirit. It caused us to repent and open ourselves to the Lord. And when this took place, the Lord himself gloriously came into our spirit to be our life through the gift of the Holy Ghost. And although Satan, the enemy of God, has taken the flesh as a base from which to fight inwardly toward the spirit, the glorious Lord uses the spirit as a base from which to fight outwardly toward the flesh. You, do you understand the battlefield that is being represented here? We are so complicated a being because we have become a battlefield. We are the universal battlefield engaged in a universal battle. Satan and God, God and Satan are fighting one another within us day by day. Satan is fighting toward our center. God is fighting toward our circumference. What is our attitude? We cannot be neutral in this battle. We have to take sides. We cannot be Switzerland and sit on the outside. You see, it's in the outward part of man where the enemy of God dwells and in the inward parts of man it is where God himself dwells and between the two in the middle of this battle is the soul Satan is in the corrupted body God is in the regenerated spirit and uh, when we are between uh, our soul is sitting uh, there in between of these two points and we are uh, at a very uh, crucial part of our history and we can change the whole of our situation if we take sides with God. You see, if we side with the devil against God, we'll be defeated. Now, understand, God can never be defeated. But if we take sides with the devil as a cause of our own will, it gives a sense of defeat because the work of God in us we chose to reject but if we take sides with God it will be a glorious day because Satan is utterly defeated so the question then uh, that I have to pose to you today is with whom will you side see this is the problem listen to the Lord listen to what Jesus declares if anyone wants to come after me let him deny himself. We must deny self. In other words, we must put the soul to death on the cross. It's the soul that represents self. You ought to put this in the comment section. I must die so that I can live. I must die so that I can live. We must always be in a position to deny self. 
always put self to death always cross out self what will happen when the soul has been crossed out when the soul has been put to death only God and Satan are left and by crossing out the soul we have burned the bridge for the enemy to cross on over into the soul you see when you look at the battlefield you'll find that oftentimes the strategy is to destroy the road for which support can come so within us the support for either God or for the devil is from our soul. Now Satan is in the flesh because he is he's sin. He's sin incarnate in the flesh and self is in the soul. Both sin and self are illegally married to each other. In fact, they had their wedding day a long time ago. All the trouble within us is due to the fact that self is married to sin. And they have become one because when you get married, you cease to be separate and you become one with that you marry. But when we were saved, God, Christ, and the Holy Ghost came into our spirit as the divine life. So in the flesh, the corrupted body, there is sin. In the soul, the threatened soul, there is self. And in the regenerated human spirit is the divine life of the triunity of the Godhead, the eternal life, which is regulating life and power. To live and to walk by the soulish life means to live and walk by self, which involves us in marriage with the devil. This marriage means that we are not a free person, but one that is under the bondage of uh, sin and death. The evil one in the flesh will rise up to snatch and to defeat us and bring us under his captivity, making us a most wretched person. But if we deny the soul, deny self, and live and walk by the spirit of God, Christ as life in us will regulate and saturate the whole of our being. It's important that we cross out the soul, that we cross out self. It's important. You ought to put that in the comment section. I'm crossing out self. You see, after we have been regenerated, we should not live and walk and do things by the, the power of self anymore. As long as we live by self, we will be under the bondage of the devil. Now, perhaps you may think to yourself, I don't think that I live or do things, you know, according to self. Is there a need to discern then the spirit from the soul? Because when you do, you will see how much you are in the soul rather than in the power of Christ. You say that you are not living or doing things by the power of self, but I would ask, by what power then are you living? By the flesh? You may uh, respond, no, I'm not living by the flesh. Then are you living by the spirit? And many of you, if you're honest with yourself, would say, I'm not really sure, or I really doubt that I'm living by the spirit. And if you are living neither by the flesh nor by the spirit, then what are you living the answer is that you are living merely 
by the soul. You say, I don't like to commit any sin. I don't like to be fleshly. I, I don't like to cooperate with the devil. I love God. I, I like to follow the Lord and walk in the ways of God. I, I like, I like, I like, I like, I do, I do, I do. I think, I think, I think. You are still living by self. Anytime the, the description of anything concerning you starts with I, it is an indicator that the power of the response is motivated by the power of you. Tell the Lord where you are. You yourself doubt very much that you are in the spirit. And if you are not in the flesh or in the spirit, you are in the soul. But praise the Lord, you are not in Egypt. You have experienced the Passover. You've been delivered out of the power of Egypt, but you've not yet entered into the good land of Canaan. Many of us are still wandering in the wilderness, and the wilderness within us is the soul. Jesus makes some very stark uh, statements concerning the soul of man. So we come to this issue how can we discern then the spirit from the soul? How can we know when we are in the spirit or in the soul? How can we divide the spirit from the soul? How do I understand when I'm being motivated by the spirit rather than being motivated by the soul? Well, we must look into the word of God because in the word of God, we find our answer. And this may come as a shock to you, but it's a very stark and powerful statement. He who loves father or mother above me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter above me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his soul life shall lose it. And he who loses his soul life for my sake shall find it. This is what Jesus declares in Matthew 10, 37 through 39. You see, soul life here in the Greek text is the same word as that for the word soul, which is the representation of self. The taking up of the cross in these verses refers to our human love for those that are dear to us. Human love is something that exists within our soul and it has to be dealt with by the cross. How much do we love those that are dear to us? If we want to know how to discern the spirit and the soul, we should check the level of our love. How do we love our children? How do we love our parents? How do we love our siblings? How do we love those that are close to us? This is not man's word, but the word of the Lord. Discernment of the spirit from the soul is only reached when we have checked our human and natural love. You see, our natural love has to be dealt with by the cross. In the New Testament uh, epistles, the Holy Spirit tells us that husbands must love their wives and wives must submit to their husbands and parents must take care of their children and children must honor and respect their parents. But all of this must be done in the power of our resurrected life in Christ. 
natural affection, natural love, and natural relationships have to be cut off by the cross. You see, after being dealt with by the cross, we will be in the spirit, which means that we will be in the power of our resurrected life. We will be operating from the power of that life through Christ. We will live in resurrection, not in our natural life, but in our spiritual life. One test of how much our soul has been broken is how much the cross has dealt with our natural love and natural affection. You see, when the natural love has been cut off by the cross, we lose self. Furthermore, if we're going to lose our soul by dealing with uh, our natural power of love, then we need to learn how to hate. I know you're going, hate, but we're not supposed to hate. Doesn't the Bible talk against hate? Well, let me tell you. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and moreover, even his own soul life or self, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 26 through 27. This is what Jesus is declaring. You see, soul life again here in the Greek text is the same word that is used for soul, which is the representation of self. And besides the love of our dear ones, of those that are close to us, we also have self-love. That's love for me, for the things that regard me. The taking up of the cross has a lot to do with this kind of love. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, hate whom? Our enemies? Well, the Bible tells us that we have to love our enemies. But we must learn to hate ourself, our soul. To hate ourself has something to do with the losing of ourself or our soul by hating ourself we can then cross out the self in existence in our soul but these aren't the only things that we love we don't just love those that are close to us and ourself there's a whole lot of love in us for the world but the bible declares he said to them all if anyone wants to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it. But whoever loses his soul life for my sake, this one shall save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself? Remember Lot's wife? Do you remember the story of Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to preserve their soul life or their self shall lose it, but whoever loses it will be preserved. You see, in all of these verses, soul life is reflected in the Greek text as the same word that is used for soul, which is the representation of self. These passages show that the soul is much involved with the love of the world. To give up the love of the world and worldly things mean that we have to deal with our soul. 
So when the soul is cut off, the love of the world is then given up. Now, there are two things, the love of the world and the love of the soul. And they are related to each other. Remember Lot's wife. This is a wife, not a husband. And it is a story of a wife who loved worldly things. The Lord says to be very careful because if we love the world, we will lose self. If we love the things of the world, we will lose our soul. But if we give up the love of the world, we will lose our soul in a good sense. Remember Lot's wife. As they exited the city, she could not hear the voice of God that told them, do not look back. For a long time, I wondered what was a big deal with looking back. She was still going out of the city following her husband. But it was the looking back that caused her to become a pillar of salt. But why? Because the looking back was a representation of a desire to be there rather than in the safety of God. Brothers and sisters, the love of the world is a proof of where our soul is. The natural life, truly, I say to you, uh, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his soul life loses it. And he who hates his soul life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Well, where was that? John 12, 24 through 25 tells us this very thing. And again, this may shock you, but soul life in the Greek refers to soul, which is a representation of self. And when you read this and consider this word of God carefully and deeply, you'll see that the soul has much to do with your natural living and your natural strength. Our natural life and our natural strength have to be dealt with by losing self. And when our natural life and strength are put to death, our soul will then be broken. And how does one discern the spirit from the soul? It is simply by taking the cross to self and by putting self under the power of death in Christ. You see, we often say, it is not I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. But if we examine our life, we find that Christ is what's been put to death in you. And it is not Christ that lives, but it is you, self, that is living. The soul is deceived because it does not appear to be sinful. We must always learn to check the soul by putting the cross on self. Suppose that we are uh, fellowshipping with a brother or a sister. How can we discern whether our fellowship is of the spirit or of the soul? By putting the cross on self. You will clearly know whether we are in the spirit or in the soul. Now, I should not say that I am uh, not doing something evil. I am doing something good when I fellowship with a brother. Because fellowship is good 
but such a fellowship may be entirely in the soul rather than in the spirit. And when the cross is applied to ourself, we will immediately be clear whether our fellowship is in the spirit or in the soul. We should never check the soul or the spirit by the discerning of good or evil. This kind of checking will only put us into a place of darkness. There's no other way to check the soul and the spirit but by checking them through the power of the cross. The denial of self. The only way to determine whether we are in self or in the spirit is by checking whether we are now on the cross. Do I have an element of my own interest or am I self-centered in my activities? Has the cross been put on my self-interest and my self-centeredness? You see, we need to check ourselves, as they say, before we wreck ourselves. All decisions and all activities, all actions that we take have to be checked by the power of the cross, not by the standard of good or evil. Because in every subject uh, uh, of conversation, self has to be crossed out. We cannot analyze by considering, am I in the spirit or in the soul because of good or evil? Let me consider for a moment to see how deep my feeling is. If it is not so deep, I must be in the soul. But if it is, seems to be deep, I might be in the spirit. And if we analyze in this fashion, we will really be troubled. Simply by one check, we can be made clear as to where we're functioning from. Have we been put on the cross? Let me just put it in these words. Have we denied self, taken up the cross, and follow the Lord in our spirit. You see, when we deny self by taking up the cross, the Lord Jesus will have the full ground within us and it will be easy to go along with him. Matter of fact, if you look at the New Testament, the New Testament teaching gives some place to chastisement, but the cross occupies a much greater place you'll find that many times God's chastisement works together with the power of the cross. But do not wait for God's chastisement. All the time we must learn to take up our cross. What did Jesus declare? Take up your cross how often? Daily. Since we know that we have been crucified with Christ, Day by day, we must learn the lesson of denying self, to take up the cross and not to give any ground to the soul. If we do this, we will actually be one with the Lord in the spirit and the Lord will take the ground within us to possess and saturate all of us with himself rather than our self. The power to be free and to function fully in the power of Christ is determined solely by which side you will choose in this universal battle. You are the battlefield and the battlefield is you. Whom will you choose to side with? 
If you reject Christ, you have chosen the devil. There are some that will believe that I'm not choosing the devil, but I won't choose Christ either, that I'll stay neutral. There is no neutrality in this war that's being raged. You are either in the field of the devil or you are in the field of the Son of God. There is no middle ground. There is no proverbial fence. There is no gray area. There is no um, zone for which you can stand. There is no demilitarized zone. You are either in Christ or you are out of Christ. And if you need to find out for yourself whether you're in Christ or out of Christ, which I dare say you do need to know, the way you discern this is by checking the power of self. Has it been put on the cross and crossed out? Has self died and Christ been allowed to live in you? And there you will find your answer. God bless you, people of God. Heaven smile upon you. The battle is raging for you. And you have a part to play. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, I choose the Lord. God bless you.